1: Welcome to the New Books Network.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the New Books Network. I'm Deidre Tyler, host of the channel, and today we'll be talking with Professor Joan West, the author of Madame Bessie Jones, Her Life and Times. How are you doing today, Professor Jones?
0: I'm fine. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming. Tell the audience about yourself and how you became interested in this project. All right.
0: Well, um, I originally uh, di- wasn't interested in the project, um, but I was at a, um, uh, a book signing and a gentleman came up to me and I had my crime. See, I write Carlisle crime cases and they're fiction. And um, he saw the books lined up there and he said, do you write? you write crime, about crime? And I said, yes, I do. It's fiction, but it's fact-based. There's a crime at the core of each book. And then he said, well, will you write about Bessie Jones? And I said, what? <laughs> uh, I hadn't thought about it. Um, he had a stack of papers in his hand. And he said, um, I have some notes that I'll give you if you will write about her. And, and he wasn't the first one. I've been uh, writing uh, ever since I retired, um, which has been about a decade and going to about 12 of the 15 book uh, venues a year. But here was Nate and he had his, uh, his uh, stack of papers. And he said, well, I want you to write about Bessie. Um, and he, he went on to explain why, you know, he thought that she was misrepresented in the earlier book called Bessie's House by Paul Dennek, which was printed about the, in, around 1972 at the same time of the trial, um, the murder and the trial actually. Um, so he, he gave me the papers and um, I looked through them and there were um, a set of census papers for Jane Andrews, uh, who is uh, Bessie's grandmother. Uh, for Cora Andrews, who was Bessie's mother, and for Bessie herself. And also there was a draft, a draft notice uh, for William Jones, who was Bessie's husband. Um, so I looked through them and I thought, well, this, this is a good start. And I told him, I was honest with him, I said, well, um, I'm not used to, I used, I'm used to accustomed to writing fiction, not uh, factual information. Um, but I will try, uh, I will see what information is available and, um, get, get, get back to you on it. And he, he just gave me the papers and he said, no, I trust that you will find what you need. And I have more papers and notes at home and I'll send it to you, but I want you to promise me you will write about Bessie Jones if you find the inf- enough information.
2: And I said, oh, fine. Okay. I'll be happy to. So what was his connection with um, Bessie Jones?
0: He never told me. He he never said. He said that there was, he was from uh, Pittsburgh, but he was on his way to Illinois and said that someone uh, in the film industry uh, was interested. Um, But I haven't heard from him. I haven't heard from him since. Um, And... I don't know. I Every time I do an interview, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, it'll reach him at some point, And then he can g- come and get a book.
2: Absolutely. Tell us about the, the life story concerning her grandmother, mother, and then Bessie all were involved in the same industry.
0: Okay. Well, the first one's a misnomer. Uh, Jane Andrews, I mean, there's a, a myth. Uh, around the Carlisle area. Well, it may be even farther uh, because I've seen it a number of times um, that she went south during the Civil War and came up um, north with the uh, Confederate Army as a comfort woman. Well, that's simply not true because in the census reports that I have, it lists Bessie, Bessie's grandmother, Jane Andrews, as being a citizen of Carlisle and have lived in Carlisle. From 1860, she she had three children. She had her husband, David, and the youngest was Cora, Bessie's mother. She was four months old at the time. So I think any intelligent um, woman, black woman would travel south and risk the um, event of being forced into slavery Uh, you know, with her children. I just don't think that would happen. And I have not found one word of history or newspaper article, anything that she did that. But Cora uh, was a single mother and she had her first child at 16. Um, She had uh, four by 1900, the 1900 census. Um, And um, Bessie was the oldest girl, although she had two older brothers. Um, Albert, um, um, hmm. the, the second one escapes me, but, but then she had two younger sisters, Marion and the baby Vermont, who was born the year, a year later.
2: Now, tell the audience, what made Carlisle, Pennsylvania an area for prostitutions? Well, I'm not
0: exactly sure I can answer that. When, but uh, it's a, as a matter of fact, it's kind of ironic because Carlisle is a very conservative area. Um, and a lot of the people, when Bessie's mother uh, operated her house of ill repute, uh, complained about it. Um, and, the, uh, and the judge, the judges that she stood before at numerous times uh, said, you're running a body house, cease and desist. and um, she turned it over, she turned her uh, business over to um, her daughter, um, Bessie, during the, when, when Bessie was either ar- around the age of 22, um, and there was, there's also a controversy about when Bessie was born. Um, some places say 1899, and uh, the, but her gravestone says uh, 1895, so I'm more likely to trust that, but getting back to your point, I think of the African-Americans who are coming up, migrating north to the bigger cities, Philadelphia, Detroit, um, that's and the influx of um, other immigrants from other nations, from Ireland and Italy and everything uh, converged. And Carlisle had an um, industry and they had to have a number of industry. Pizio uh, quartz crystals, um, first black photographer and uh, which was kind of unusual for a size kind of its size but i also think that the, they also had the uh the redskins um football team the washington redskins football team come and practice at dickinson every uh every uh, summer for their their pregame practice and so I think the town, a number of things came together for the town. And for the most part, the police didn't bother Cora uh, other than to drag her to court, you know, a number of times and arrest her. And I think she was sent to jail once. Um, But then when Bessie came up to take over, um, she actually improved upon her mother's. She had different rules and improved upon. her mother's uh, practices and schedule and procedures. And it was a very lucrative. And the town, here again, ironically, th- uh, felt that Bestie was a businesswoman and accepted her for the most part. And I haven't heard anyone say anything bad about Bestie. Even her lawyer, Hyman Goldstein, said that she was a decent person. She went to church every week and she was a kind soul. Um So I, I just think all together that everything just came together to and and then her grandmother happened to live here, and then they also happened to live here and then set up their business. and
2: that's established and it continued for a hundred years. Tell us about when Miss Jones would go to the bank, I thought that was an interesting interaction there. Yeah, she, um, she
0: gets, of course, she dressed all the time. She dressed for the nines and in her best, you know, before she'd go out in public. And I mean, you know, I think that during those times, 1920s, 30s, 40s, people did. People dressed up more than they do now. Um, and she got dressed and put on her fur coat and, um, and went with Marion. and usually went with her. And she carried a bag of cash, uh, a bag of cash now, not, you know, not in, you know, into the bank and uh, went up, went in and said how to do to the, um, to the office, to the bank teller. And um, Marion said, you know, good morning too. Um, and they, were, they both had, um, they had the hats and dress machine also had a fur coat on. And they had their, uh, for some reason, their face, faces painted, um, painted white. And I'm not sure if that was just because of the powder um, that was lighter, or was it might have been because the uh, cosmetics uh, for um, Black Americans weren't uh, available nationwide?
2: Now, you know, tell us about the type of ladies that worked in Bessie's house. I, I thought that was of interest too. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, the prostitutes were um, young, they ranged in age from uh, Well, I think one was, she said she was 21, but I think she was younger Um, and up to 40. Um, They were two at a time and they were scheduled. uh, They stayed at Bessie's Bessie's attic while the duration of their stay and they entertained the Johns on the second floor, uh, um, which had the bedrooms. And they were uh, of all nationalities—the Caucasian, Black, um, Asian—but Bessie only allowed, as far as her clientele, white, established, uh, well-to-do, and or well-off, or white men. Uh, So she established that early. Um, And then one of the uh, of the prostitutes. Georgia Ann Snyder was the one who, eventually, in my opinion, based on the research I've done, um, was the one was was her was the mistake that she allowed her you know into the fold. Um, but they were a mixed bunch, and they would uh, catch the bus uh, from Har- from Carlisle to Harrisburg, or um, a man called they called Steve, wasn't his real name, but uh, brought them from Philadelphia. Or Pittsburgh, um, and and drove them to Carlisle, and they rotated every two weeks and a schedule set up for a month, and the girls were free to when they weren't at uh, Bessie's, they were free to uh, you know go uh, on their own. Um, most of them preferred Bessie's because she paid for their uh, what they needed, you know she paid for their uh, condoms and their Vaseline, whatever they needed, she paid for the lingerie. She bought them lingerie, um, but you know, for the most part, evidently the uh, the clientele were very satisfied with uh, Bessie's prostitutes because they she was made ensure that she they kept clean, and she had rules. They had to change sheets every day, and they had to get a physical once a year, and they had to. Um, be present, be alert, be friendly, be... There were certain rules that she had to follow that some objected to, but then some said that were necessary.
2: What was Miss Bessie's role in the whole scheme of things? What? How did she uh, participate in entertaining the people who came to her home?
0: Well, early on, uh, when her mother was still running Bessie's house, she was a prostitute. But when she became the madam... Um, I think she steered away from that um, and started running the place, and that included uh, the accounting. She kept ledgers of uh, the men who came to visit, uh, the name, their preference, the amount they paid. Um, she uh, kept house, was the didn't really need her any assistance until after her mother had passed, because even. So Bessie was running. Her mother would help come down to help uh, with the cooking, um, and then <coughs> excuse me. I'm trying to think of uh, you know some of the other things that. Oh, she stood sentinel at the door every day. And they got up at uh, six a.m. The uh, her her house Bessie's house opened at. Um, they were open from 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. So think about standing sentinel, you know, all day. Um, and then she also, um, she was standing sentinel because she didn't want cops or plants or anybody but her regular clientele. She even set up a, uh, she said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a password or we're going to have some way that they come, a new John comes with one that we're familiar with because uh strangers could be a plant, you know, a policeman coming to arrest us. She also bought um, all, as I mentioned before, all, the, um, all her girls, whatever they needed. And she didn't let, want them to go out. Um, she wanted them to stay or if they went out to accompany her. And I think that was primarily for their own safety. Um, she did, uh, she, and after her mother passed away in 1934, she did the cooking. Um, and just kept track of the money. you took the money to the bank and uh, it just am- amazes me how much she was able to do. Um, given, given all that was the logistics involved, the, uh, the schedule, the accounting, the buying of the food and, and anything else the household needed, furniture, a uh, washer and dryer when they became available. Um, and she's just one person and she could, she got all this done. I mean, I mean I'm really impressed. I was really impressed.
2: How did, and why did she start hiding money in her house instead of using the bank?
0: Oh, because, uh, she was, uh, at one of her trials, uh, Mike Judge Fulmer, I believe was in charge of it. And, um, he, there was also, um an IRS agent there. Uh, I want to say his name's James. I would have to double check it. Um, but he uh, froze her bank account and there was $176,000 in that banking account. And there was, a, um, I think that was a savings account. And then uh, there was $90,000 in a checking account. And he froze it. She, and her lawyer called her and told her they have to go to court um, to, uh, you know, because you know, it was frozen and they had to get to the bottom of it and he said that it was frozen for uh, back taxes so they went to court and well, to make a long story short um the irs took control of her money and i, I think she decided that was just a little bit too much uh, and so she started keeping her money in a pink pillowcase and other places um and in her house, but the pink pillowcase stayed in the back of her closet.
2: You know, you talked about the jail time that um, Bessie did. Mm-hmm. What were some of the, the lessons she learned in, in jail, and how many times did she go to jail?
0: She ne- Well, there were a number of robberies that, that um, she experienced, and but she didn't report um, uh, a lot of them, but she herself um, I think it was she was before Mike Fulmer again. Um, he said that uh, she hadn't done a day's work in her life, and that she was ignoring the, the order of the court. He thought he had been very clear, so therefore he sentenced her to Muncie State Women's Prison, the only uh, women's prison in Pennsylvania at the time. And so she went uh, without complaint and um, the only record I have of is that she went, she went to Monty, and then she was no trouble. She didn't cause any trouble, um, and people didn't bother her. Um, and there's pro- there a reason for that. I mean, it, my research said, she, you know, didn't say whether she carried a weapon around, but I think what she, one of the things she learned um, was that uh, it's, it was humiliating because I think she. She was far from home, it was the first time that she had been more than two hours away from home. I think she was lonely, uh, humili- humiliated I think by um, the whole experience you know, of being uh, arrested, arraigned, taken to jail, chained. It's just uh, a, really a frightening experience. And she had that one protective stay in Muncie And then according to the Cumberland County Historical Society's records, she also um, spent about eight months on a a federal pen in uh, Virginia. Uh, She didn't like it. Say that much. I wouldn't either.
2: (laughs) Would you? Absolutely not. You know, it was a mystery about her husband. You know, what type of information did you gather on Bessie's husband? How long were they together? And what happened to it?
0: Very little. And I don't know the answer to that. I wasn't uh, able to find out. Um, their, uh, I had a record of their marriage license, but um, he and his draft, his draft record. Uh, so he was drafted into uh, the war, World War I in 1914. And then they were married. And then there's no record of him returning to Carlisle, of divorcing her, uh, divorcing uh, Bessie, or dying uh, in the war. So he's a complete mystery.
2: What do you think was her downfall? You know, times had started changing in the 1970s, and she was still doing this prostitution home.
0: Uh, What was her downfall? Hmm. Uh, Yeah, she was... uh, she worked from uh, 1922 when she took over the business to, uh, to her murder, which was October 1st, 1972. So she was a septuagenarian, and still in her 70s and working, doing that hard work up and down the stairs. And as I was typing, you know that that word that she was a septuagenarian, I realized I was one too. Um, so I'm not in. Sh-
2: would you repeat the question? You know, what was her downfall? Do you think? You oh yes, know, she what kept was going on for years and years with what she was doing.
0: I think it was a mixture of uh, a number of factors. I think maybe the first factor, you know, was her age, and and there were she was getting a little careless and uh, uh, who she was letting in, um, and she allowed a part time um, prostitute from uh, a, I think she was from the Dillsburg area. Um, she, she let strangers in without the password, and they happened to be the police officers or detectives. And, and the arrest kept in that last decade of her life, the arrest, she was arrested um, more than she was in the entire time beforehand. Um, and then also, there were a lot of complaints, you know, from. Um, both men and women that um, they would write into the newspaper. They would um, suggest that uh, this is not a proper business for uh, the community of Carlisle, which was, we had tw- there are 20 churches in Carlisle at one point. Um, but I think she just trusted people. You know, she was a, a kind person. I think she trusted people too much. And when someone came to her door, many of them were strangers, like uh, during the Prohibition, when the bootlegger would come and deliver her liquor. She didn't know him. Um, and then I, I think she got careless and I think she trusted strangers too much. And I think she trusted her prostitutes too much. It trusted, entrusted them, you know, whether she thought because she had been good to them that they would return that.
1: slash nbn50 to get 50% off.
2: As I gathered, there was a small Black community, but yet Mrs. Jones was, you know, a very religious lady. Tell us her connection between the few Blacks in the town and her religion.
0: Well, she went to church, the Presbyterian Church, every Sunday, uh, rarely missed, Um and I think that went a long way with Carlisle, the people in Carlisle that she was a churchgoer. They mentioned that time and time again. Um, and, you know, you know, saw that she dressed well, she presented herself well, she was pleasant to everybody. Um, so I think that they just, you know, just followed the, the leaders of the community. Like uh, she was a, a friend of uh, Judge Sugerts. Um, and it's possible that, um, as a person, I think that, um, you you know, as you age, you're just not quite as sharp as you are, um, when you're younger. And so when you that long walk, she walked with a cane and she walked to church. And then she also helped her community, especially during the hard times of, um, You know, after the crash and uh, the the Wall Street in uh, nineteen was it nineteen thirty nine, and then the war, and then um, there was hard times. I mean, people were there. There were bread lines. Uh, My mother would tell me these stories about what people would do, like line their houses with newspaper for insulation, or put the cardboard in their shoes uh, because there were holes in them. And Bessie, if someone came to the back door and asked Bessie um, if she had anything to spare, anything, and she would always put a plate together and give it to them. And not just, you know, for that, that person, but she knew the family. And she would give portions, you know, for the family. And then she would tell her mother to make extra. She was making whatever, soup or chicken and waffles. or. And this came from newspaper reports that she people would, you know, just knock on the back door and she would put a plate together and give it to them. Um, that, that went on for years um, until I guess the economy turned around in around 1950 or so. But she was very helpful for, with her community. She kept up, uh, she gave to causes that she supported, and she also continued to donate to causes that her mother had supported, like the Scouts. And others that uh, I listed in the book. But at this moment, I don't remember what all the others were.
2: Absolutely. Now, when you look at this whole scheme, the whole project, what do you think that you want your readers to remember about this book? What's the theme? What's the most interesting aspect of the book that you want the readers to know about?
0: That she worked. That she worked hard. I wasn't sure how to approach the book um, because there. I didn't want to do a tell-all, salacious. Oh, you know, she ran a whorehouse. Um, but it wasn't until I ran into um, Langston Hughes's poem. Um, I had taught you know composition and literature in college for years, and I didn't know what approach I w- was going to use with her because. Um, I wasn't happy with the approach that the former author, uh, Paul Denick, uh, used in uh, Bessie's house. But then I remembered a poem. And if you have a minute, I'd like to share it with your listeners, because this it will answer your question. Exactly. It's called Mother to Son. Well, son, I'll tell you, life for me ain't been no crystal stair. It's had tacks in it and splinters and boards torn up. And places no carpet on the floor bare but all that time I've been climbing on and sometimes going in the dark where there ain't been no light so boy don't you turn back don't you set on the steps because you'll find it kind of hard don't you fall now for I still going honey I still climbing and life for me ain't been no crystals there. So that's what I wanted to communicate about Bessie, that life for her wasn't a crystal stair either and, and that she worked hard. And that was the angle, the thesis that I used, that it was the work and the drudgery and the, um, she earned, as far as I'm concerned, she earned her money. And so I had a discussion last night at Boston Library, it's uh, in Carlisle, in our, my community. And that was the main thing that the, um, the readers there, had there were 20 people, and it was an ugly, rainy night, raw. And they, they caught that. They said that, that they agreed, you know, that, that she did work hard. And that's something that did not come out of the other book. So I'm glad that readers get it.
2: <laughs> well, we've taken up a lot of your time. What's the next project you will be working on?
0: Well, I'm doing research now about Molly Pitcher or rather Mary Ludwood Hayes McCauley. Um, She's buried here in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And so it would be another history uh, book, um, local history. And here again, that is with Bessie. Bessie took me three years. I did a year of research, a year of writing. It went through 15 drafts and then a year of you know, working on those drafts and the revision, uh, I think I'm going to run into the same problem with um, uh, Molly Mary Ludwood Hayes. Uh, I don't want to say Molly Pitcher because there's a, a there are a number of people who say there are, were plenty of Molly Pitchers who helped, but she was the only one who received the pension from George Washington. So I thought that was interesting, but it, I think that will take me a uh, few years or so to do to do that project too if if there's enough information
2: well that sounds like a great project thanks for being on the show
0: thanks for having me i have really enjoyed it